Thank you for listening to the Calvary Chapel Lubbock podcast. Our mission of teaching people to love God by showing them how much He loves us starts right now. Okay, church, for the past three weeks, okay, past three weeks, we've been talking about the burial of Jesus. Very, very, very important, okay? Now, if you recall, my Jesus, guys, had just died a horrible, excruciating death, okay? You understand that, right? That the Romans, guys, nailed him to a cross, they stretched out his arms, they pulled everything, and they killed him my Jesus on the cross. And a lot of people go, why, why? I remember when I was just a kid, I'd be thinking, why, why would you die, Jesus? What is this all about? And, and then I've come to realize through the gospel that the reason Jesus died, listen, is to save me from myself, right? To save me not only from my sins, but from myself. And, and so Jesus dies to save me from myself, from my sins. And here's what he does. Listen, he provides a beautiful pathway to be with him in heaven for eternity. That's what it's all about. That's the gospel, and this is where we left off. Now, again, in week one, guys, a couple of weeks back, we looked at the burial of Jesus with two key people in mind. You guys remember that? The one of them was the name of Joseph of Arimathea. Joseph of Arimathea. Arimathea is about 20 miles north of Jerusalem. He comes in, and that's one of the key players. The other key player was someone called Nicodemus. We know him as Nick at night because he came to Jesus in John chapter 3 at night seeking, how can I be saved? Tell me what I need to do. Who are you? What's going on? And Jesus tells him, you must be born again. You must be born again. You want to see the kingdom of heaven? You must be born again. Now, we've learned a couple of stuff from Joseph and Nick. Okay, We've learned some things. You go, what is it? Number one, if you recall... We talked about how these men, if you will, felt buried in life. Can I get a witness? Do you know what we're talking about? Have you ever felt buried in life? Finances and work and struggles and family and relationships. Sometimes you just feel buried, right? Well, these men were just the same as us. And we thought, wow, how were they? How did they feel buried in life? Well, we know that Joseph felt buried because he was caught up, guys, in fear, in fear. He had something called Judeophobia. Judeophobia. John points out to us that Joseph was a disciple, not, not, not just a, a believer, not just somebody going, hey, I attend church. He was a disciple, but he says that he was afraid of the Jews. He did it secretly. He did it secretly. You ever try to worship secretly? It's kind of hard, isn't it? Oh, Lord, nobody knows I'm a save. Nobody knows I love you. And, and so that's him. But he was afraid. He had fear. And I was just thinking about this. He says, man, he was just, he was a disciple. And I started thinking about fear. And I thought, man, isn't that something that we can all relate to? Here's why. Listen to me. Matthew doesn't point out that Joseph is, is full of fear, but John does. And why does John do that? I think because he knows that we can relate. He knows that you and I are going, oh, yeah, 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 I can relate. And that's probably why the Bible, it's said that the Bible is, it says, fear not 365 times in the word of God. In other words, he's saying, guys, I know that fear is real out there for you. And I'm going to put one for every day of the week so you guys can get up and you can face the day and not fear. You go, what is fear, pastor? What is fear? Well, you've heard that acronym, right? You've heard the acronym, right? False evidence appearing real, that's fear. It's just false evidence appearing real. And when we do fear, here's what we do. 
well-meaning, loving people kind of slap a Bible verse on us. I'll say, hey, hey, listen, here's what the Bible says. Are you afraid? I'm, I don't know, man. Life, I just feel buried with life. They'll say, hey, well, 2 Timothy chapter 1, verse 7 says, for God has not given us a spirit of fear, but of power and love and sound mind, which is absolutely true. Can I get an amen? But sometimes we're in the middle of fear. We're like, okay, that doesn't help. That doesn't help. And so here's the thing, right? So Joseph feels, guys, Joseph feels buried. He feels buried in fear. Now, I'm not sure about the false evidence appearing real because some people believe it's F-E-A-R, right? Forget everything and run. Who's that? Right? When it comes to fear, forget everything, I'm out of here. Forget everything and run, right? That's what people do. But I thought, no, 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 no. Here's why. Here's why. Listen, listen. Because something happens to Joseph. Something happens that, that happens to us. Something incredible. You see, Joseph isn't buried in fear. He's actually planted. He's actually a seed that's about to grow. He doesn't understand it right now. And maybe you're in that same position. Maybe you're going, man, I feel buried. But God's going to do something. He's going to break through the soil. And instead of what? Instead of we go, man, I don't want to be that, that um, forget everything and run. What I'd rather do with God is face everything and rise. That's what I want to do. I want to face everything and rise because God is with me. God is in me. And that's the whole point of the resurrection, church. The whole point of the resurrection is that you and I don't have to fear anymore, but that we can face life and rise to the occasion. That's what it's about. That's what it, the, the, we miss it. We miss it. Next week we go, Jesus is alive. And everybody will post it on Facebook. Hey, Amen. He's alive. He is risen. But we don't understand how to, what it does for us and how we can face tomorrow and how we can face Tuesday, uh, how we can face Wednesday. But I'm thinking right now, think about it, Joseph. Joseph is going to rise. And he, he gives us some great, great comfort because there are some of us today going, how are you doing? It's hard to breathe right now. But you're going to rise. You're going to rise. You're going to rise. The other person who was that? Nicodemus. See, Nicodemus, he wasn't struggling with fear so much. Guess what he was struggling with? Circumstances. Circumstances. Things that he didn't understand, right? Circumstances. And he too will learn that he's not buried, but that he's actually planted. He's actually planted. Now, here's what I want you to remember. Here's what we've learned, right? Here's what we learned about Nicodemus, that God began to change Nick's life, right? Because Nick comes back to him in chapter 3, and he's like, how can I be born again? How does it be born again? The whole born again scenario. But now we see in John chapter 19 that he's coming to actually bury the body of Jesus. Something's changed. And history says that he is a disciple of Jesus as well, but something's changed. As he begins to grow, listen to me, life is going to change. As you begin to grow in Jesus, the life that you once knew is going to change. As you begin to grow in the Lord, things are going to seem different. Life is going to seem different. How so? Think about what happened to Nick, right? Think about what happened to Nick. Nick, the Bible, well, not the Bible says, but history says that Nick lost his position as a Pharisee. As he began to go, man, I'm going to be a follower of Jesus. They said, no, you're not. You can't follow Jesus and be in our religious group. Oh. Well, what else, pastor? We, we also know that he was basically kicked off the Sanhedrin, the Jewish council. They said, you can't do that. And then it says that eventually he was banished from Jerusalem from the hostile Jews. Here's my point, guys. My point is that Nick lost everything that the world could offer. But he gained God. He gained God. 
You see, circumstances that he felt buried in start to give away to what? To the budding relationship he had with the father. You could see it come up and, and, and Nicodemus understood this principle. Ready? Jesus was enough. Jesus was enough. Now, I want you to take just a moment, guys, just a moment to think about this. Take a moment to think just about this. Nick lost everything. He lost everything. Now, when I get up here and preach it and you guys go, amen, right? We all still have our bank accounts. We all still have our cars. We all still have our houses. We all have stuff. But what if we walked out that door and everything was taken away? Your car was repossessed, the house was burnt, whatever it might be, you lost everything, and you go to the bank, and the bank says, we filed bankruptcy, you don't have any money. You have nothing. Let me ask you this, would Jesus still be enough? Would he be enough? Would you go to bed tonight going, I've lost everything, but I still have everything? And that's exactly what Nick is teaching us. He's not buried, guys. He's actually planted. That's what we learned in week one. And week two, we learned about the, the burial, what? The burial, if you will, guys, and the burial of, and what it's signified, the significance in our lives. In other words, you go, what does it mean to us? What is the whole burial? Okay, so there's Jesus on the cross. He dies. He said it's finished. Now he's going to be buried. What does that mean to me? Well, we, we talked about the story. Do you remember the story last week of the little boy? The little boy who was notorious for coming home late right? Mom and dad look at him and say, you need to be on time today. And that day, guess what? He was later than ever. Well, mom just looks at him as he comes in. He didn't think anything is later than ever. And mom just looks at him. Dad just looks at him. And that night at dinner, guess what? He looks at his plate and there's a piece of bread and some water. The little boy looks at it and he looks over at his father's plate. You guys remember that? And there it is, full of steak and potatoes and all this stuff. If dad doesn't make eye contact. He's letting the weight of what's going on feel that, remember? And the little boy starts to cry. He's wondering, man, I've really blown it. I've really messed up. Until dad gets up, takes the plate, and puts his plate in front of his kid. And he puts his plate in front of himself. Do you remember what the little boy said? The little boy said, man, listen, you don't understand. <sighs> He said this, all my life, I've known what God was like by what my father did that night. You see, what he did is he took his place. He said, listen, although you messed up, although you're disobedient, although you have issues and you won't listen to me, son, I'm still going to give you my plate. Here's the thing we learned. Here's the significance. You ready? There are three things. And you go, what are they? First of all, the importance of the significance of the death and the burial and the resurrection. Here's what we need to learn. Paul names it as one of the three pillars of the gospel. If you look at the gospel, it's a three-stooled gospel. You have three-legged stool, okay? If you pull off one of those legs, it's going to fall. But he says, this is it, right? And he actually, he actually brings it in scripture. He says, for I deliver to you First of all, all that which I received, that Christ died for our sins according to the scripture. That's leg number one. That he was buried, that's leg number two, and that he rose again on the third day according to the scriptures. That is, guys, the three pillars of the gospel. Very, very important. Okay? You can't have one without the other. So you have the death, help me church, you have the burial, and you have the resurrection. Now when we talk about baptism, you're going to see how all of this plays out. Okay? 
That's what we learned. The second thing we learned, I think I love the most, and you go, why is that? Because here's what, here's the significance of the death, burial, and resurrections. You go, what it is? What does it mean? It actually, this death, burial, and resurrection of Jesus changes the face of death for you and I. It changes it. You go, how so? How so? Death is no longer a prison, but a passage into God's presence. Do you understand that? Because my Jesus died because he was buried in a tomb and three days he rose again. Death is no longer a prison. Can can we be honest in church? Think about the days before you gave your life to the Lord, right? Think about the struggle. We didn't talk about death. Why? Because we didn't know where we were going. We sort of hoped, we crossed our fingers, and, and we would hope that our heritage or our religious would save him. But, but honestly, if you asked us, we're going, I don't know. I hope so. And what you did is you put your faith and trust in all that was good that you thought that was good. You put your faith and trust that you didn't kill anybody, you didn't rob anybody, you didn't steal from anyone, and that you were a good little boy or a good little girl. And that's what you went, but you crossed your fingers, and, and that's a prison, is it not? But the death, burial, and resurrection made, not, all, not he took that prison away. And he made it a pathway, guys, a pathway into his presence. What does that mean? What does that mean, a pathway into his presence? Listen to me. It means you get to live. Wait, 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 pastor, I am living. Let's see. Yeah, I'm breathing. I think I'm living. No, 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 here's one. How many of you feel like you're really living right now? And how many of you feel like you're just existing? Oh, pastor, don't step on our toes. No, 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 no. Here's what I'm saying. There's a lot of us that go, man, I'm just existing. I get up, I do the same thing. I eat the same Cheerios. I go home. And we just existing. And God says, no, that's not why I died. I died so I could give you life. And that your life has meaning and it has purpose. And so many people, guys, so many people out there just feel like they're existing. Just, just existing. I'm just, I don't even know why I'm here. I don't even know why I was born. I don't even know what I'm called to do. And here's what I love, the death, burial, and the resurrection, guys. Man, it, it's a passage into God's presence. And when I have the passage into God's presence, guess what? I can live. I can, I can live. I can live. No matter what the circumstances happen to me, no matter what goes on in my life, no matter all the things that are spinning around in my universe, I still have life. And I can go to bed going, Amen. Amen. You go, what else? Listen, listen, this is, you get a bonus, right? Wait, there's more. You go, what is it? The death, burial, and resurrection, listen to me, gives my life meaning and direction. I think that's what people struggle with all their lives. Does my life have meaning? What does my life have meaning and direction? And if you're not struggling with that, you might be struggling. Well, the death, burial, and resurrection, guys, it actually gives us new opportunities to start over no matter what the circumstances. We get to start over. The enemy looks at us and goes, no, you're done. You're toast. You, and we mess up and we mess up. But you know what? The death, burial, and resurrection goes, man, new opportunity, new day. I'm excited. I'm excited. I love that. I love that. The third thing we learned, guys, the significance of of the, of the death, burial, and resurrection is Paul tells us this. Listen to me. Not only were we baptized into Christ's death, but that in our baptized, we're also buried with him. 
So he says, in baptism, right, you were baptized into Christ's death, but you also were buried with him. That's what we're going to talk about today. We're going to talk about being buried with Christ in baptism. Okay, week one, we talked about Nicodemus. We talked about Joseph. Last week, we talked about the significance. Final week, guys, we're going to talk about the baptism and what it actually means, okay? So I'm going to talk to you today a little bit about being buried with Jesus in baptism. What does it mean to be buried with Jesus in baptism, okay? Well, the first thing we need to know is, what is it? What is baptism? Really, what is it all about? Here's why. Listen, because a lot of times we go, hey, having a baptism. People go, yeah, I want to be baptized. And they're like, and we dunk them and everything. Everybody goes, yeah, amen. But they don't really understand. They don't, they don't understand what it means and what it, what it stands for and what you're doing and, and the spiritual significance of it. So let's talk about that, okay? Let's talk about that. Let's look at Matthew chapter 3, guys, verse 13. Matthew chapter 3, we're going to talk a little bit about what it is, and then we'll continue on from there, okay? Matthew chapter 3, 13, it says, Then Jesus came from Galilee to John at the Jordan to be baptized by him. Everybody see that in your Bibles? You go, yes. So Jesus comes from up north. He comes from Galilee, okay? It's so amazing. John, who is this John? John is the baptizer, okay? You can draw, this is Jesus' cousin, so there he is. There's John in all his glory, camel hair and all, right? Maybe a, maybe a, 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 whatever he eats, you know, whatever grasshopper coming up in any way. So anyway, there he is, and he's baptizing, right? And so Jesus comes, right? Where does he come? Here's what I want you to keep in mind. He comes to the Jordan River. Why is that important? Why is that important? Here's why. Because the Jordan River was a very public place. And when we decide to be baptized, we want to make it very public, We want people to know, this is what I'm doing. This is what I believe in. This is what it is. And I want everybody to see. And so you think about it, guys. This is what he's talking about. And so he says, okay, okay. So you got Jesus, John. He goes, so Ben, I've got a question. I've always wondered, why was Jesus baptized? Like, I know why I'm baptized, but why would Jesus be baptized? He was like the son of God. Anybody ever wonder that? You're like, yeah, I sure do. I have. Here's why. Let's let's look at the purpose, okay? Okay. It says, and I'll take you back just a minute, okay? Then Jesus came from Galilee to John at the Jordan to be baptized by him, okay? One of the things we need to do is we need to understand what baptism is. So if you have a pencil handy, you can circle that word for baptized. Do you guys see it right there? And you can write here, baptizo, baptizo. That's the Greek word, B-A-P-T-I-Z-T-I-D-Z-O, baptizo, And I want you to write down what it means so you understand. It means to wash, to dip, and to immerse, to plunge under, to submerge. Everybody got that? That's what it means. So Jesus comes to John. John says, oh, you want me to baptizo. I need to immerse you. You go, yes, 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 yes. So what does John do? Well, here's what I find comical, right? Because it says in verse 14, and John tried to prevent him. Of course I would. Here's God. God's going, hey, listen, I want you to baptize me. I'm like, mm, mm, I need to be baptized by you. And you're coming to me. This is crazy. This is crazy. And it's a funny scene. And I mean, there's humor. But notice why. Notice why. Look at verse 15 of Matthew. He says, but Jesus answered and said to him, permit it to be so now. For thus it is fitting to fulfill all righteousness, then he allowed him. 
So, why was Jesus baptized? That's a good question. You ready? The purpose was for Jesus to completely identify himself with sinful men. In the same way that we identify ourselves with him, he says, listen, you need to understand, me being fully God and fully man, I need to identify myself with you. Like, wow. Wow. That blows my mind. You see, this is exactly the ministry of Jesus and what he did from the beginning of his birth, his upbringing, all the way to the death. What did he do, guys? He identified with us, with sinful man. He said that. Now, the Bible says that he knew no sin, but he became sin so that I could become righteous. So here he is. He's just identifying it. And John goes, okay, okay. And so Jesus is standing in the place of you and me. That's what Jesus is doing. The purpose of that, it's baptizo. It's baptizo. You go, okay, so that's what it is for Jesus. What, did it, what, what is it for me? Well, do you guys remember, and this is an easy way to find out. This is an easy way to explain it. Baptism is an outward sign of an inward change of heart. That's what it is. It's an outward sign, okay? And as a matter of fact, any of you like pickles in here? Do you like any like pickles? Somebody like pickles? Do you know what pickle is? A pickle is nothing more than a baptized cucumber. That's all it is. Why? Because there was a fellow by the name of Nicander way back 200 BC. 200 BC, he actually coined the recipe for pickles that lasted throughout the ages. What Nicander comes back and he said, this is the recipe for pickles. You ready? He says, I baptized a cucumber in vinegar. You're welcome. Now you have pickles. Why is that important? Because again, the baptizo is really what it is the, now listen, it is the immersing. It is the all the way going down. It is the submerge. It is the wash. It is all of this. So much different than taking a little bit of water and going pink, pink. Oh, I ba-. that that's not what the word means. That's not what the word means. And so baptism for you and I should be this. You ready? It's an outward sign of an inward change. And the best way I like to put it is I like to say, look, hey, I've got my wedding ring on. Everybody see this? Okay. All this is is an outward sign of what an inward change. If I take off my ring, that doesn't mean I'm not married. Okay. It doesn't mean. Because what marriage happened in the heart when I said I do. But the ring is what, guys? It's symbol. It's a sign. And when I put it on, it's an outward visible sign of what God is doing in my heart. You're like, wow. Okay. Okay, I get it. I get it. It's an outward sign. So that's what baptism is. Now, we're going to dig a little bit more about the purpose, but let's go back because I want to I just point out the burial as we continue in our study. Let's go back to John. Let's look at it real quick, and then we'll look at the purpose of the baptism, okay? We're moving pretty quick, guys, so, so we're, we're, we're going to be out of here pretty quick. Look at verse 38, same text we've had for the last three weeks, chapter 19. It says, after this, comma, what's this? That's after Jesus has died. And I don't need to explain to you guys that just gruesome, horrifying picture in our minds of what they did to Jesus for our sake. After this, 
Joseph of Arimathea being a disciple of Jesus, but secretly for the fear of the Jews, asked Pilate that he might take the body of Jesus. And Pilate gave him permission. So he came and took the body of Jesus. And Nicodemus, who at first came to Jesus by night, also came bringing a mixture of myrrh and aloes, about 100 pounds. Then they took the body of Jesus, bound it in strips of linen and spices, as the custom of the Jews was, is to bury. Now, in the place where he was crucified, there was a garden. And in the garden, a new tomb, which no one had yet been laid. And so, there they laid Jesus because of the Jews. A preparation day, for the tomb was nearby. Now, again, remember, guys, this more again, what happened... You've got them. They take the body. It's late at night, we know, so they have to hurry. Why? Because at 6 o'clock on Friday night begins the Sabbath. So they have to get Jesus in the tomb. So we need to know that the tomb has to be close by. has to be close by. If you go to Israel today, it's real close. Okay? You have to know that they couldn't finish preparing the body fully because it was, it was, we were running out of time. Jesus was on the cross from about 9 a.m. to 3 p.m., 3 p.m. by the time they took him down. And guys, remember, they didn't just like, oh, let's pull him down. It was a lot of work to take him down, full weight, wrapped, bloodied, everything. And so they laid him quickly, and they just put a few strips on him. And we know that Mary Magdalene and the other Mary were at the tomb, and they were looking to make sure because their hopes was to come back on Sunday morning and finish preparing the body. That's what they were hoping for. So they made sure that the boys did a good job. Okay, they're not helping. They're going, okay, where did you lay him? This stone, okay, this is where we're going to be. We'll come back. Now we got to hurry and go home because it's the Sabbath. It's the Sabbath. Okay? Here's what, I, here's what we need to grasp, okay? Here's what we need to grasp. Jesus, throughout his ministry and later on in the evening, later on in the latter part of his ministry, he told his disciples what? He told his disciples he was going to rise again. Can I get an amen? But they didn't hear. I mean, they may have heard. They may have like, you know, do you, have you ever been there? Have you ever listened to something, but you really didn't hear it? You know, your husband tells you something. You're like, yeah, yeah, babe. And you go off the way. And then like, he's like, what did I say? And he's like, I don't know. That's like the disciples, right? That's like the disciples. Now, again, if you go to my house, Nathalie is always telling me stuff, and I'm looking at her, and it got to the point where she looked at me and said, okay, tell me what I just said. Amen. I get an amen. Thank you. Sister, I've since repented for that, okay? But no, you, you sort of, you know, you listen, right? You listen. Now, if she's coming to me during a game, what am I supposed to do? I mean, game? Anyway, so anyway, you'll, that's the disciples, okay? The disciples are going, okay, Jesus, resurrection, amen, you're going to rise, amen. But they don't get it. They don't get it. Now, here's the point. The religious people do because they go to Pilate and say, hey, uh, the dude said he was going to raise from the, from the dead. Let's put a, listen, that's true. That's true, man. The, the disciples are going to steal his body. They believed it. And you go, Pastor, what's your point? The point, guys, is this. There are so many promises of God for us that we don't appropriate because we don't believe them. The world believes them. Hey, man, you guys are supposed to be believers. You're supposed to be this. You're supposed to be that. You're supposed to be walking strong. You're supposed to be unity. You're supposed to have a great community. You're supposed to love one another. Isn't that what the Word says? And you're not going, I don't, is it? I think so. 
and we don't appropriate those things for us. The resurrection for the disciples, they shouldn't have been preparing the body. They should have been ready to party. But that's what the enemy wants to do to us believers. He wants us to look at the promise and go, oh, here's what we do about the promises of Jesus. Help me out, church. We go, oh, these are the promises of Jesus. They must be for somebody else, not for me. And we base the promises of God on our behavior and what we've done in our life. And we go, well, that's not for me because I've messed up. Because I've blown it. It must be for somebody else. I haven't been that good of a Christian these days, so go ahead and take them. And that's not how God is. God doesn't go, hey, if you just, you know, Sister Lori, if you just, if you just do good, I'll bless you. God goes, I love you, I'll bless you. I was like, wow, wow. And so we have Jesus in the grave. And so let's transition, guys. Let's transition over to baptism, okay? Because we need to know what it is. We need to know what it is. Okay, what's the purpose? What's the purpose of baptism? We have, what, four, five maybe today getting baptized? What's the purpose? What's the purpose? You ready? Jot this down. Number one. Number one, you are publicly standing with Jesus Christ. That's the purpose. You are publicly standing. Okay? In baptism, here's what you're doing. You ready? You are making a public declaration that from now on, you will stand for and follow Christ. That's what it means. In an act of obedience, you are declaring to the whole world that you are done with the world. You are done with the world. Well, what does that mean, Ben? Think about it. Think about what you're doing, guys. You are declaring to the whole world that you are done with it. It's systems. Everybody give me an amen. Because we're all good with this system. I don't like the way the world plays games. We're done with the world's games. Can I get an amen? And we're done with the world's entertainment. Oh, be careful. Be careful. Because when it comes to the world's entertainment, we're like, oh, wait a minute. Hold on, Ben. (laughs) Time out. Let me just say this. When it comes to the world's entertainment, guys, it doesn't honor God. Did you hear me? The world's entertainment in all its glory doesn't honor God. And when we allow that in our lives, I don't know about you, but let me tell you what it does for me. It pulls me away from walking closer to Jesus. It does. It does. And, and i got to be careful. Uh, I'm not going to Calvary Chapel because Pastor Ben said we couldn't watch TV. That's not what I'm saying. What I'm saying is that guard your heart in the world's entertainment and what the world wants to do because in baptism, you're saying, I, what? I'm publicly standing with Jesus. I'm publicly standing with Jesus. That's what I'm, that's what I'm doing. Okay, I don't want the world system. I don't want the world's game. I, I am going to be fully devoted to Christ. And when we do that, guys, and you're sitting there and something comes on, that Holy Spirit inside you goes, ooh, that's not good. You shouldn't be watching this. Oh, that's not that's not pleasing to me. And it's not so that so that we walk around bummed, it's so that we can walk even closer to Jesus. As parents, we do the same thing with our kids, right? If we have something on TV and we're watching it and we're like, hey, and the kids walk in, we go, oh, 
we try to change it because we know it's not good for a four-year-old or a three-year-old or a five-year-old or whatever it might be. But that's kind of what the Holy Spirit does to us. He's like, hey, should you be watching that? Well, Lord, I'm more mature. I read my Bible twice a day. I fast. That's, that's, I think about it. That's what it is. And, and, and it's publicly standing with Jesus. Paul writes like this. Listen, Paul writes in Galatians chapter 3. Just listen to what I'm going to say. He says, for you are all sons of God through faith. Okay, he says, you're born again. You, you're God's children. He said, but as many of you were baptized, there it is, into Christ, he says, you've put on Christ. You've put on Christ. That's what he's saying. The New Living Translation says that, that you were baptized into Christ and you've clothed yourself with Christ. Can you imagine? Think about clothes. Think about clothes. Okay? Some of us have clothes, right? Some of us have walk-in closets with clothes, and you walk in on Sunday morning and you go, I don't have anything to wear. And you have tons of... But anyway, the point is this. Oftentimes, guys, we like to dress. We like the way we look. We like labels, okay? Because people are defined by the label they wear. Some of the labels, you're like, wow, that's... Oh, oh. I, I don't even know any labels. Help me out here. What's a, what's a fancy label for clothes? Gucci, Right? It, is that is that a clothes or is that a handbag? Really? Wow. So if I came up here with a Gucci shoes and belts and clothes and everything, you guys would you would just define me, wouldn't you? You'd be like, hey, that dude's fly. Yeah. Huh? Easies? Yeah, it's easies. I know Walmart and Target and Kohl's. You guys are like, I know, I know, shh. <laughs> but we're, we're defined by what we wear, are we not? We really are. Labels. And, and think about this. Think about this. You're defined by what you put on would tell me which team you actually support. Right? And I mean, if you were to put on a jersey, depending on what team you support, I could say, oh, I know who your favorite team is. I know who your favorite team is. You go, yeah, okay. Okay, I get it. So, Pastor, what's the point? Here's the point, guys, is that if clothes label us, and it's a very outward sign of what we, what we believe, should not we be clothed with Jesus so that people know what we believe and that we're going to stand with him? This is what Jesus believes. This is what I believe. This is what Jesus says. That's what I'm going to do. Why would you do that? Because I'm publicly standing with Christ. His death, burial, and resurrection. You go, okay, I got it. 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 It's an outward sign. What's number two, Pastor? Jot this down. You are baptized into Christ's death. You are baptized into Christ's death. Okay? So it's identification. Romans chapter 6 gives us details concerning this point. Romans chapter 6, Paul is writing to the Romans, and what he's going to do is going to write concerning the deliverance from the power of sin. Romans chapter 6, give me an amen if you're there. Look at verse 1. Paul says, what shall we say then? Shall we continue in sin that grace may abound? He says, certainly not. 
Certainly not. You know what that means? It says, may it never be. That's what he's saying. Because there are some people going, hey, now that I'm saved, I can sin. I'm under grace. Yes, I can go party. I can have a good time. And Paul says, should we say that? He goes, guys, this shouldn't even be on your lips. You shouldn't even think like that. Why? Everybody say, why? Paul's going to answer that. Paul's going to answer that. Look at that, verse uh, 2b. He says, how shall we who died to sin live in it any longer? How should, I mean, if we're dead, how are we going to, how should we live this way? Right? And you go, well, what's he saying? Well, I don't know if you know this, but you died. Did you know that? You died. When did I die? When you gave your life to Jesus. See these kids over here? Blake? Blake died the other night. I don't know if you know this, but he, he came up and he stayed right here and he prayed and Blake, he died. He died to sin. That's what he's talking about. How could you who died to sin, right? Three. Out of three died the other day. Did you know that three? He died the other day. It was amazing. It was the most glorious thing the other day. It was awesome. But three didn't know that. That he died to sin. See, here's the point. I remember when I was, I remember I was working in the produce department and I happened to take a break and I was looking at the paper and I happened to come across the obituaries and I remember seeing my name in there. Was like, I was like, oh, that's what it's going to look like if I die. It just kind of freaked, wouldn't that freak, wouldn't it freak anybody else out to see your name in there? Almost the same birth date and all that. You'd be just like, oh, wow, that freaks me out. But quite honestly, that's the truth. That's the truth. And here's the thing, guys. Here's the thing. We, he says, he says, how shall we die? How shall we who died to sin live any longer? Now look at verse 3. He says, or do you not know that as many were baptized into Christ's death or baptized into Christ Jesus were baptized into his death? Therefore, in, four, in, in verse 4, we were buried with him through baptism. Okay, so what's the purpose? We're going to be buried with him. That's the whole point. Okay, what's the Greek word? It's baptizo. Everybody say baptizo. So there you go, boom, that's the purpose, right? We're going to be baptized. But the second point is we're going to be baptized unto his death. For what reason? Why are we baptized unto his death? To wash away our old life in a watery grave. Nathaniel, did you hear me? We're washing away our old life. You go, well, pastor, I thought I, I, thought I prayed the prayer. I thought my sins were forgiven. They are forgiven, see? But this is that whole, I want my whole life. All of my past is going to go. I'm going to be different when I come out of the water. I'm going to be changed. But you're saved. No, I'm already saved because baptism doesn't save us, does it? But it washes away the old life. What's the word? Baptizo means to wash, right? I want to wash. I want to wash. So we've already confessed our sins to him. Amen. His work on the cross gave us the forgiveness of sins. All we're doing now is obeying what the word of God says. So we're baptized into Christ's death, its meaning and its purpose. Now move a little bit further to verse 6. Paul continues to write, knowing this, that the old man was crucified with him, that the body of sin might be done away, that we should no longer be slaves to him. For he who has died has been freed from sin. That's a great place for an amen. Amen, amen. Why? Because he says the old man has died. Who is the old man? Guys, that's the old self. That was the one prior to you coming to Jesus. Guess what? The old man was crucified. He was dead. 
What does that mean for you? It means that you are no longer a slave to sin. You're no longer. You're free. You're free. You're free. Pastor, I've got a question. If I'm free, why is it that sometimes that old nature rears its ugly head in my life? Just me? You know what you do? You know when that old nature comes back, you can say with confidence, you shut up. You shut up, you dead thing. I'm not the same person I used to be. I don't have to listen to you. That person, that old, he's dead. He's dead. When that old nature of you comes up and says, hey, we got to go out like we used to. Don't you miss the old days? You say, shut up. That's not who I am anymore. I'm a new creation. I'm on the rise. I'm not going to, I'm not going to, what? I'm going to, I'm going to face everything and I'm going to rise. Because God has a greater plan for me than I could ever imagine. That's why you're here, guys. That's why you're here. I don't know if you know this. Listen to me, church. God is doing something with the young people. They're taking the gospel. They're going to take the gospel farther than we've ever could imagine. They're going to take them. You see, it's not about just being baptized. Oh, we went to church. It was baptism. Hello. It was like, wow, watch what God's going to do. Watch what God's going to do. Because now you have a bunch of new, new kids, a bunch, of, a bunch of, of, of just fired up young people. And number three, last but not least, you are raised to new life. In baptism, guys, you'll come into the water, you're going to stand publicly, and then we'll immerse you into a watery grave. And depending how bad you used to be, we'll hold you down for a long time, okay? <laughs> Maybe till we see some bubbles or something. I'm kidding. I'm just kidding. But the most important, guys, is that we would raise you, we'll raise you back up. Into what? Well, according to Romans 6, 4, it says that just as Christ was raised from the dead by the glory of the Father, we'll see that next week, even so, we should also walk in the newness of life. That's what it means. It's the newness of life. You go, what's a new life? It means that you're changed forever. You're Christ-like. Listen to me. You were created, designed, and wired to love God. And now that you've made that change to follow hard after that, loving God more than anything else, more than ourselves, more than things, more than money, more than relationships, that's what new life is. New life is actually found in Jesus. In Jesus. Now, if you guys who are wanting to get baptized want to go and change, we're going to move into the last part of this, okay? So y'all can go and change and listen to me. Now, now don't get distracted because I have a couple of questions for those of us that are here. You go, what's that? You ready? Here's the question, okay? When it comes to baptism, when it comes to identification, when it stands, when it, when it, when it comes to standing publicly with Christ, let me ask you this. What is living inside you that should be dead? What is living inside you that should be dead? You go, Pastor, what do you mean? Well, let me say it like this. What sin is still trying to stay alive that, that should be dead? What sin? 
For some people, it might be material things. It might be lust. Oh, man, that lust, man, it's, it, I need to, I want to crucify that, but it's still alive. It might be anger. It might be, it might be money or the love of money. Man, if I just had a little bit more. It might be actions. The point is, guys, here it is. What is living inside you spiritually that needs to die today? Number two, what's dead in you that should be alive? You go, Pastor, what do you mean? Look at your life real quick. Do a quick spiritual inventory. What has died that maybe was once alive in God? You see, we all go through we all go through so much in life. And I wonder I wonder what used to be that like like you would mark, man, you you could say, Man, I used to be a person of so much faith. I used to love everybody until I got hurt. I used to be just an amazing extrovert. Now I just don't want to talk to anybody. Or maybe it's something even more serious than that. What has died that God needs to, that should be alive, that God needs to to resurrect today? Or maybe the thing inside you that is dead was never alive. And you go, what do you mean? Maybe it's your spirit. In other words, you've never been born again. You've never opened up your heart and said yes to Jesus. Father, we thank you for today. We thank you for the truth in your word. We thank you for these young men and women that got baptized. We just know, God, you're just going to do an incredible work. Thank you for the privilege. As we worship you, one last song. We love you, Lord. It's in your name we pray. Hey, this is Pastor Josh. I hope this message has encouraged you in your walk with Jesus. If it has, we would love to hear your story of how it has impacted you, or especially if you responded to the invitation to receive Jesus into your heart as your Lord and Savior. To get in touch or to receive more information, please contact us by phone at 806-799-2227 or send an email to calvarylubbock at hotmail.com. Again, that phone number is 806-799-2227. Also, if you want to partner with us financially to take the gospel to West Texas and the world, please click on the Donate button on calvarychapellubbock.org. Thanks for listening to the podcast. May God richly bless you.